You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hi, and welcome back to the Pullbox Podcast. This is episode 67, in which we talk about We Stand on Guard by Brian K. Vaughan and Steve Scross. I'm your host, Curtis Finley. I'm your other host, Michael Cohen. Now, Mike and I, we are both Canadian. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we definitely when this when this book was first announced we want definitely wanted to check it out yeah especially because whenever anything Canada is mentioned in comics or anywhere on TV mm-hmm. movies we love it you know yeah. all Canadians love it when we yeah. get a shout out because it doesn't happen that often yeah so to have an entire book about Canada and not just about Canada but about the U S taking over Canada yeah. And then Canada fighting back. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah we got to check that out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, because oftentimes when Canada is mentioned, it's often as the butt of a joke. Yes. Um, the exceptions being uh, in comics, uh, you know, Wolverine being from Canada, yep. Alpha Flight, um, that sort of thing happening in the Marvel comics. But most of the time, most of the time. Canada is is sort of uh, looked down upon by by our uh, our our neighbors to neighbors the south. Neighbors to the south. Um, and this book is a little bit of revenge, I think. Um, I when I finished the book and I read the back, I it was the this is the this is the synopsis on the back cover. Uh, set 100 years in our future, we stand on guard follows a heroic band of Canadian civilians turned freedom fighters who must defend their homeland from invasion by a technologically superior opponent, the United States of America. This deluxe hardcover edition collects all six issues of the controversial hit miniseries, along with spectacular never-before-seen sketches and artwork. So um, when this came out, I got the first i think i read the first three issues um before i went eh this is kind of not going anywhere um so i had actually already read those uh before i read the the rest of them and and then when i went to to sit down and reread this i was like okay let's get into it and as a complete story i think it stacks up a little bit better than than it did when it was individual issues um i can see that and I do not think that it was intended as a six-issue hit controversial miniseries. I think that Brian K. Vaughn had plans for this to be an ongoing series. Obviously, everything starts as a miniseries these days, um, and if it takes off, it becomes an ongoing. Right. But, well, especially with independent works like yeah, this, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, I don't know, did you do any research on... on the controversy surrounding no, this? No, you know, I was just kind of looking it up to see because I, I I, didn't even catch that on the back there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know if... Uh, I think the only controversial thing would be the fact that in this political environment yeah. um, that we're currently in, and, um, that having the United States take over any country is going to cause yeah. a little stir. Well, <laughs> so the, this book obviously came out... Um, 
before yeah the current administration took office um but sort of in the midst of of uh, the lead up to um the the campaign season i mean like yeah. the americans it wasn't uh, that far before yeah. they 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 campaign so far out it's hard to tell these days um but True. i'm sure that trump was saying at the time that he was planning on running but even even if not uh, the previous uh, uh, presidential campaign had been pretty, pretty intense um, with the sort of like the partisan politics on both sides. And and definitely the Republican rhetoric uh, sounding pretty nationalistic at the time, uh, even more so now. Um, so, you know, I, I it, it's it's actually it's. At the same time that it's kind of ridiculous, it's also not that ridiculous. It's set a hundred years in the future, um, so who knows what geopolitical things have happened? Uh, obviously, global warming is a big part of what happens um, and and why it happens. But uh, the book starts with a happy family, and then I, I <laughs> they're hanging out in their apartment in their living room. And uh, they look out the window, and after the, you see a Tim Hortons at the end of the street, which um, <laughs> would be silly if it weren't so accurate. I, I, Tim Hortons is a donut and coffee chain up in uh, Canada. They're everywhere. Yeah, I, I quite literally. I mean, it's we have I, probably more Tim Hortons than we do Starbucks these days. They seem to pop up every five minutes, but um, they see I, I. Just after, like, they're sort of watching a news report that the White House has been attacked, um, and uh, and they they're looking out the window, and missiles start to fall on Ottawa, um, and uh, and then we flash forward. Ottawa being Canada's capital. Yes, <laughs> sorry, I just assume people know that. <laughs> um, and then we flash forward to well, our two. Our main character, her family, is basically killed in this initial attack, except for her and her brother. So both of their parents are killed. Um, everybody they know is probably dead um, because Ottawa just gets obliterated. Yeah. But they, uh, they, we, they, we flash forward and and we focus on uh, Amber, right? Amber, yeah, yeah, uh, the young girl, and uh, she's uh, she's an adult. Um, and then the story kind of goes from there and her joining up with the, uh, the 402, the, the, the Canadian resistance yes. uh, up in the Yukon, um, which actually, you know, it's funny cause, uh, they sort of reference world war two and Germany's inability to annex, uh, Russia because they are unprepared to fight in those winter conditions, yeah. right? It comes up a lot in this book. Um, and it's totally legitimate. One of the reasons why America would never be able to fully take over Canada is that um, the, the the resources that it would take would just be pointless. But the other part yeah. of that is that everything worth taking over is <laughs> basically the along the 49th parallel. Yeah. So um, it wouldn't take them that long to actually capture the uh, the targets that are important well and in this book uh, they've taken over all of the provinces yeah and they haven't taken over the three territories which are yeah. the northernmost parts of, of yeah. canada 
Um, so that's where. But it, the Yukon would actually be the easiest of the three territories to take because it's you you're pincered, right? Between because, that and Alaska, Alaska is right. there, right? Yeah. So you're you're already um, Alaska actually touches both the the Yukon Territory and British Columbia, which is the province that we live in. So you know if you went from both sides. Uh, I, th- I feel like you'd be able to take it over a lot faster, but I would imagine though that Alaska doesn't have the army to do that. And then how do yeah, you get possibly. your army, or how do you fortify Alaska? Yeah, um, you'd have to like we'd shoot your bombers out of the sky or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, I, I so I, I understand where the controversy could come from. Um, the Americans are painted as the bad guys in this, uh, but I, I, I think one of the most important things to keep in mind is that uh, Brian K. Vaughn is an American. Yes. And he wrote this story. Yeah. So I think that the purpose of him writing this story was to point out the um, the flaws in the current American system. I think that was his goal. And, and, and I think one of the things that he was really trying to point out, um, one of the books that I almost picked for next month and then thought better on because we've done Brian cave on two months in a row already <laughs> was uh, pride of Baghdad. Oh yeah. And pride of Baghdad actually like it, it, yeah, that's a good, point. um, thematically shares a lot in common with we stand on guard um because they are both observances of american uh basically i mean like you know this is gonna be a controversial statement but terrorism abroad they call it war but (laughs) i i i think that that was his point you know because because pride of baghdad is very very clear in stating that like you know the, the stuff that goes on in the middle east is you know from the american standpoint um you know, it's war and they are taking strategic positions and, and, um, they're liberators and all of that sort of thing. But to the innocent people in those places, uh, they are just destroying and killing. Yeah. Right. And, and the way that he captures that in pride of Baghdad so well is that, you know, you, your main characters are actually zoo animals, uh, uh, the pride of lions. So like the most innocent in, in, in that instance, like they have no agency, uh, in the, in those circumstances. And I think that he's telling a similar story here, but the point is, you know, like you didn't listen when I was talking about people in Baghdad because, you know, they're third world country. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. other, right. Yeah. <laughs> but Canadians are the closest you're going to get to Americans. Yeah. We're also the furthest away you're going to get from Americans, but you know, with different, different ideologies and different, different origin points, but still a but, first world country. Yeah. We are, Western we, we're their closest neighbors. And, uh, it is, I, I believe that we share the lar- largest peaceful, uh, border in the world. Oh, right? yeah, probably, um, stands to reason. The only other country that would, have that claim is is Russia, but Russia shares its border with, with so several many countries, different yeah. countries. And um, as of recently, they're not peaceful. So, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> annexing other countries that's not peaceful. But um, this is going to be a bit of a political episode. There's no getting around it. Um, but I believe the purpose of this book was was to say 
okay, what if the enemy looked just like us, right? Yeah. Would we still feel so great about our rah-rah American military-industrial complex um, if those guns were being turned on people that looked like us and shared many of our ideals? Uh, and, And... I think that the response to that was we don't like having this mirror held up to us. Stop it. (laughs) And I think that's why there's only six issues. Like that would be my, that would be my guess um, is that I, I either the controversy was so high that image said it is image, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That image said uh, we're good. Six issues was an experiment. And I, I I don't think that people want this or we don't want this heat Um, or, you know the the heat was so much so that it affected sales and then that sales were soft even though this says controversial hit miniseries <laughs> hit doesn't necessarily mean money wise it doesn't might mean just profitable mean, yeah. yeah it might just well it made the new york times bestseller list and that okay. has to do with sales, with sales numbers, so okay. it did sell well yeah okay so um yeah i i i don't know i'd, I'd be interested to hear what american readers thought of it um from the canadian perspective um yeah, I thought it was great. I, I do I do think it's good. I think that I couldn't imagine reading it in single issues. Like this that it was not it was not enjoyable in single issues. And for me, even even as a as a as a hardcover trade paperback collected edition, I the characters, with the exception of of Amber, I and maybe her brother are all a little bit too caricature-y. Well, I think that's um, there's two things about that. One one is that um, we're writing a book about Canada, so you got to yeah. put those in there. That's one thing. But um, I I've I liked that it was caricature-y because it actually um, they touched on several different aspects of Canadianism yeah. or like being Canadian. Sure. Um, it had a very multicultural cast because of it and i thought that was actually one of the the best parts of it yeah it is i understand the reasoning behind it but um as with many brian k vaughn i this i'm gonna be hard on it because brian k vaughn is is probably my favorite comic writer yeah uh and yet this book i feel is um, and what I, th- I think with We Stand on Guard, what he did is he he skipped over his first four volumes and went straight for the meat. Um, and the problem with that is that yeah, any Brian K. Vaughn fan knows the first few volumes are always awesome. But once the premise is established, he established he loses the thread a little bit. And so he establishes the premise in the first issue. And then... You get into the okay. Now we're fighting, and you know we're capturing this thing, and it's like it. It yeah, I would. It say doesn't. It never really goes anywhere. Like that's the thing is that it is a Brian K. Vaughn story. It never really goes anywhere. But it does go places. It, it there, there's a there's certainly like a beginning, middle, and end, and a climax to the story. But to me, yeah. it's like it's all set up and very little punchline. Um, that and that's just my that's just my well. It's on it's it. one. I would, I'm going to pull a Star Wars, I'm probably going to regret this. Okay. <laughs> because I, Go ahead. I I see this as being like a new hope because sure. you have a band of freedom fighters. Yep. You don't get the beginning story in a new hope. No. Um, all they focus, is, focus on is the one victory yeah. that they need in order to, you know, move on to the bigger picture. Yeah. And that's what this one is. We have a scattered 
um, a scattered country yeah. that is in hiding and afraid and scared. And we have one group that just needs one victory in order to get themselves um, yeah. enthusiastic about about actually For sure. moving forward. And that's what this book accomplishes. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I think that you're right. And I think that's a good analogy. Um, I th- I think for me, the execution is a little bit lacking. Because I just like the characters are a little, like I said, like they're caricature, which means that they're a little one dimensional, and um, and, they're never, not, and none of them are really likable. No, yeah, you never really connect with anybody, and and the biggest thing is like, why have the framing device of of Amber and her brother, and what happens to them if. Amber is not a character that I'm going to get behind. You know what I mean? Because I don't. Because you never right. really connect with her because you're spending so much time establishing everybody else. That well, you and just... her character is pretty withdrawn and closed yeah. as well. Yeah. So she doesn't open up. Maybe over the course of another six issues, we could get into some stuff. But uh, that doesn't happen because right. she's gone by the end of, the, of this story. So I don't know. I yeah. I. I I think the most interesting thing to 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 discover about this would be whether or not it was intended as just six and done, or if if he did want to launch this into something else. Yeah, um, because it feels like it's very open ended at the end. Um, we have I I basically the 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 at first it's just survival, and then it quickly becomes we have an opportunity to to prove to the rest of Canada, which is occupied, right? It's not like they wiped out Canadians. They didn't commit genocide. They just invaded and, and took over. Um, so there are still Canadians in Canada that could theoretically fight back as a militia. Yeah. Um, be very difficult for us because we have very different gun laws up here. But uh, uh, <laughs> Maybe not don't. in 100 years from now. But. Yeah, maybe not. Um, but I, I, they basically have to... I, make a stand and prove to the rest of Canada that, that the Americans can be defeated. Yeah. Well, it's an underdog story, right? Yeah. And Canada has always been the underdog to the United States. And I think that that's, uh, yeah. that's what we as Canadians um, identify with in a story yeah. like this. Yeah, and sure. not only that is like you, they, I, I, re, um, I referred to the multicultural cast. Yeah. Um, and we have a first nations Cree, uh, person in there, which yeah. is definitely the underdog of Canada, yeah. um, as well as um, a Syrian, an immigrant or a, a, a descendant of a Syrian refugee, yeah. which is politically charged right oh, there, yeah. <laughs> as well, um, and uh, um, and a French Canadian, which I think is also, yeah, in terms of Canada's political environment, is kind of the underdog of Canada yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's um, you have a you have all of these people who are not only just the underdogs of uh, between Canada and the United States, but of their own country. Yeah. And so they're coming together to, uh, to fight, fight the, the machine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, on the flip side of it, I think we only really get one true American character. And by the end of it, it's revealed that she's Canadian actually as Canadian well. as well. So, and I, uh, I wonder if that's just the loophole to make Americans not the quote unquote bad guy. Yeah, I I, I looked at it as as a bit of a, a condemnation actually, because 
the idea was that she was Canadian by birth, but she was basically raised in America. So like, uh, it's kind of the Superman argument, right? It's like red sun. It's like, you know, is it, is it Superman and his, his, um, who, is it like, nature versus nurture? Yeah, nature versus nurture. Is it, or is it, you know, um, uh, is it the environment that he grew up in? So I think like that was kind of what he was going for. Yeah. Superman actually comes up several times in this because <laughs> yeah. um because one of the two creators of Superman was was actually a Canadian. So born in Canada born but not Canada. really yeah. didn't really grow um, up in Canada. Yeah, so I so you know like they they're the whole thing of like Superman's a Canadian. I is I I appreciate the sentiment but um you, you know I I've said I think I've said before maybe even on this podcast. I know I've said it on on Quiver. Um, that I, when Superman says that he stands for truth, justice in the American way, that America is not one country. America is actually two continents. Uh, and, right. and, uh, what that means is, is much more than just, uh, you know, the laws and ideology of the United States of America. So, so but the thing is, is that Superman belongs to everybody. So you can't really, I don't think that America has a claim on him and I don't think that Canada has a claim on him either. Uh, but, uh, well, you know. It's an American company that holds his copyright. Y- yes, <laughs> uh, but ideas are bigger than corporations. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I but I I do appreciate the sentiment coming from Brian K. Vaughn on that, um, and you know it, it, that's just a comic book nerd being comic book nerdy, you know, right. and being like, well, did you know that? Blah blah blah. Um, but I uh, yeah I I the other thing that puts me off of this book is. Um, uh, and this is going to sound really funky, but the art, the artist is actually phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I, but, and a local Vancouver guy. Um, I don't like the extreme gore. Um, <laughs> but didn't we just, just read old man Logan? <laughs> we did. Um, but there's, there's a slight difference. Um, I, I do feel like with old man Logan, it was much more cinematic and, um, the composition of, of a lot of those moments was almost like poetic in this it's exploitation. So it's very much like here's a head in one frame and then here's an exploding brain in the next. And, uh, and all the squiggly little lines that come with that. <laughs> and, um, it, it's the same sort of thing. It's, it's what we talk about a lot of the time. It's like that, that, that grotesque beauty, like that, that it's so ugly, that it starts to pass over into a, into this, right. this really artful place. It has that. I'm not trying to take away from the skill of the artist when I say this stuff, but I just, the story to me is, um, it's needlessly extreme in that respect. And I feel like that, that gore gets in the way of telling the deeper story. Yeah, I can understand that. And with going back to the Wolverine example, like I think we expect that yeah. that level, especially from Wolverine. Yeah. Um, but this is a war movie, and and we don't, or a war comic. I mean, but we don't. Uh, it doesn't have that same sort of effect. Yeah, I feel like the, the violence that you're talking about being sort of exploitative mm-hmm. um, is an image thing. Yeah, something for sure. that kind of image really kind of latches onto a lot of the times yeah even yeah just the way that that exploding head that you're talking about or seeing the guy with his entrails hanging out of his gut and and that kind of thing so 
Yeah, it's the Walking Dead aspect of Image. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, um, I I do like Steve Gross a lot. I used to be a big fan of his in the '90s when he was on like X Men and and Amazing Spider Man. His style has changed a lot. Oh yeah, because he disappeared. Um, he got out of comics for a while because he uh, was he his buddies with the Wachowski brothers. Okay. And so they asked him to do the storyboards for The Matrix. Gotcha. And then after that, he just stayed in storyboards forever. So this is his his return to comics after, you know, over 10 years, I think. Yeah. Um, and his style is quite a bit different. And I okay. think, and he, he's learned a lot. Um, storyboarding has, has made his his work a lot more cinematic. Um in the scope of it, he the, the, even his um, his perspective, and he's fantastic yeah. with his mecha and his uh, the industrial his design in the book it's, is really really good. It's great, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And it's definitely like it's a style, and it's it's got a personality, um, yeah. which which I appreciate. So like uh, it, that's why I say like it's great art, but I feel like those gore moments undermine the the. Yeah, the heart of the story, if there is one, and I think we can, with Old Man Logan, we can forgive the excessive gore in, in that book because yep. it's fantasy. It, yeah, it is fantasy, and and I think that because the purpose of that book is to show that because most of the time Wolverine has nothing to do with it until the third act, right, right, um, and I think that there there's a bit of a point there to say. Um, you know the the world has become as savage as Wolverine was. Yeah. Um. And then and then at the end of the book, when Wolverine returns, it's like what like it's 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 really a story of what does Wolverine do in a world where he doesn't have to hold back, right? Yeah. Um. And, and but in this, like, the, you're you're it's a fresh slate. It's 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 um. You can set the tone however you want to set it. The story and the writing, I feel like, sets one tone, and then um, just those few scenes with yeah, the excessive violence is something yeah, totally and different. It's, and one of the things is that it's like it's right off the bat, right? We start the book, and every it's this idyllic little family scene, and it's like, oh, there's something foreboding coming, and then everybody dies, and like they don't just die; it's gory and it's disgusting, and it's. Um, but to me, what happens there is that when you, when you show the horror of it, you lose the, the, uh, the pathos of it. Right. Right. Like, yeah. like, I uh, okay. Yes. Your parents were killed right in front of you and it was horrifying and scary and disgusting and all of those things. Um, but I don't feel like I care about your character anymore as a result of having witnessed this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think with, with, with old man Logan, um, Wolverine's reluctance to be violent connects him to the reader and connects you to his story so that when the violence does come, when it comes to him at the beginning, um, it's impactful. And then especially when he unleashes at the end, it's, it's earned. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's definitely like I, I, it's it's it, there's a process to it. Um, well, and as violent as um, as Old Man Logan is, they still do actually use a lot of tricks to hide a lot of the yeah a lot of the actual 
It's a lot of black or, blood. Um, well, yeah, or the blood actually covers up the decapitation, or sure, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. splashes of blood. That's, so, I think that's what when I was saying, like it, it, it's it's like poetic or artful. That's kind of what I was talking about. Right? Yeah, it is that it. Um, it's painted in silhouette a lot, or it is, it's sort of, it's implied and it not... creates the action lines in the page. Yeah. Right. And so it, 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 it uses that, those gore elements to, um, to drive the action. Right. Um, in this where it, it's just all out for us to see. Yeah. yeah. Every time, every time you have one of those gore moments and we stand on guard, it stops the book in its tracks. Right. It like it, it's, and I, I, it's intentional. So I understand where they're coming from. I don't like it. Hmm. So I don't think that it's poorly done. I, it's just not the choice I would have made. And it's not the way that I would have liked this story to have been told. And it because, takes you out of the story. Yeah. Then. Cause yeah. Cause it, 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 it's, there's supposed to be gasp. Like, like, oh my goodness moments. But for me, what it ends up being is you're trying to manipulate me and I'm not going to be manipulated in that way. So like you, you leave the, the story and you go into an intellectual place with it. And so that, you know, it, that makes all of the other problems of the book more glaring because the art isn't supporting the story um, for me. For me, and other people may have had a different experience with it. Um, well, it, there are only a small handful of those moments, though, in the in the book. There are, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 they are sparing, but um, but there's a a couple of them are. are they're just huge. Yeah, they're they're there. They're extreme. really big yeah. moments, but yeah, for sure, they're not. All, yeah, it's not all the way through the book. I don't know. I still I still enjoyed it though. I still yeah. thought it was an interesting um, statement and um, just the mystery. Uh, and it and it's still fun adventure. Um, I I enjoyed it through, and uh, would have loved to see another volume. And maybe it will come out in the future. Who knows? Yeah, maybe eventually. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to get a little bit more, like a, to have them pull the story back a little bit and get more of a global view. Yeah, on, well, on what happens because they sort of allude to things going on in other parts of the world, and it's all very informed by global warming, and um, that's why America is basically invading is because they don't have any water left. Um, yeah, but you see, you you see, I, I can't imagine that this was intended to be a standalone story because the end of the book alludes to the idea that a America is on its last leg. They may seem like the the overdog in this, but in reality, like they've stretched themselves too thin. They've expended way too many of their resources on this military, um, and they're running out of people. They're running out of resources. They, yeah, right. the, the 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 land is turning to dust um, because they've overfarmed it. They've they've overutilized it, and then global warming has affected that um irrevocably right so yep. you as global warming continues and canada gets warmer <laughs> it becomes more habitable i uh, <laughs> the majority of our population is centered in in really like three places vancouver yeah where we live uh, i toronto toronto ottawa that area yeah um a little bit in in quebec 
not very far away from Ottawa. Well, I mean, like literally across the river from Ottawa. So it's kind of the same thing. Um, and then a much smaller uh, uh, group, but but still a majority of our population in uh, Edmonton and Calgary. Yeah. So we actually have uh, uh, two provinces, Saskatchewan and Manitoba, in between uh, Alberta and Ontario that do not even register because the population in those flyover provinces is so small that like it doesn't even blip um, as, as, as uh, the, the majority of, of our, of our population. So um, yeah. And that's a lot of that has to do with the fact that, that uh, either there's nothing there or it's inhospitable uh, uh, winter uh, environment. So, (laughs) um, so yeah, as global warming gets more extreme, some of those areas would actually start to become more habitable. So yeah, um, you could All see Americans wanting to to move into our territory. Right. They seem to want to at the moment, anyways. Uh, there's quite a few Americans who are considering <laughs> moving to Canada. But, well, we've uh, got the space. Yeah, we do. That's the thing. Uh, uh, we just have to expand outside of our main cities, which are getting a little congested. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm hard on the book, but but I do. I did enjoy it. Um, I do think it, that it is is well done. It's just um, you would have liked it to be paced a little bit better. Yeah, the pacing I, seems. And the well, other than the violence issue, the pacing was the biggest issue. And and I would have liked for there to be a little bit more of a heart to it. Um, Pride of Baghdad, which I mentioned earlier, it has very similar themes and it's got similar goals. I think the but, the thing is that we had, because it deals with a family unit, the pride, yeah. it's, that's got the heart built into it right now yeah. here. I can see like this cast of characters is very similar to like the cast of characters on alien. Sure. Where it's just a bunch of random kind of military people yeah. and they don't get along or they're yeah. not really friends or whatever. And, I'm sure some of them care about each other when they die and stuff, but yeah. overall they, it's just, they're just, they're just kind of strangers happening to be yeah, together. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's, I, I get it. It's just not for me. It's not my cup of tea. So yeah. I don't know. It's, it's almost like there's a lot of really cool world building that goes into this. Um, I would almost like to see a completely different type of book in the same world, hmm. um, taking place somewhere else. You know, I, I, you've got, we stand on guard. How about telling a story about what's going on in the UK, right? And in in the repercussions, what are the geopolitical repercussions of America attacking Canada? Yeah. Is Um, the Commonwealth helping us out here or what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So like what, what happens there? Does the, do do the UK also become enemies of the United States and who allies with the United States over in Europe and like how, how does that go? Because they would be similarly facing uh, global warming and the challenges along with that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't like like I say, like the world building is really cool. These giant ape mechs and uh, autonomous wolf robot dogs and drones and all that sort of thing. It's a really cool world, um, but I I'd like to I'd like to see a story with a little bit more heart, a little bit more. Um, relatability maybe i if if i can use that i and then i think i would have i just think i would have connected a little bit better i think i have the same problems with this book that i have with rogue one and why i don't like rogue one it's because i don't 
really relate to any of the characters. Um, and when you don't relate to a char- to any characters, it's really hard to get into the story in that way. Right. So. One final note, I appreciated them um, writing out our national anthem on one yes. of the first pages uh, to give context to the title of the book because yeah. the, the probably majority of the people reading this book are American. They don't know, I would say most Americans don't know what our national anthem is, even though every Canadian knows what the American national yes. anthem is. Uh, yeah, even and even though, you know, like if, if you're a hockey fan, uh, theoretically, you have heard the national anthem anthem several times well, when watching hockey games. But only if uh, they only play it if a Canadian team is facing an American team. Yes, because they're not going to play it if an American team is yeah. facing an American team, and, and only... they don't even play them on TV anymore. They cut to oh, a commercial okay. during the the, for the national anthem, so you don't hear them on TV. <sighs> I tell you, yeah. uh, well, I guess I guess that's fine, but I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would be really interested to, to hear the American perspective on this book because yeah. they are painted as the bad guys. But um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some of our American listeners can uh, can write in. That'd be great. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, uh, I think that does it for this one. Yeah. Next week. Um, next week is the fourth week of the month, so I don't know if we have. I might be throwing up an interview but I'm not sure yet. So you can cool. just uh, stay maybe, tuned for that. Maybe look forward to that. <laughs> if not, you can hop over to epicmarvelpodcast.com and you can get caught up over there. Right? Yeah, lots of interviews over there, yeah. especially if you're a Marvel fan of the like 70s and 80s. I'm yeah, yeah, throwing yeah. up a lot of interviews from people of that time. Cool. Um, but the week after that, first week of April, we you can hear us talk about Ghost in the Shell. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to see the movie before reading or before that episode airs. So we'll, it'll probably, are you planning on seeing that movie? I do plan on seeing it. I don't know when I'll see it. It's not a high priority. Right. Anymore. Yeah. Me neither. So, but, uh, but we'll check. It I'm out. way more interested to read the book cause, cause I've never read the comic. Um, um yeah, I'm at least going to rewatch. It's been a long time since I've watched yeah, the anime. So I'll watch that as well in preparation yeah. for that. And we can talk about those two things at least. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And then the week after that is your pick, which is Avengers which, yeah. versus X-Men. Yeah, Avengers versus X-Men. The main book, there are a lot of tie-ins. This is the main Avengers versus X-Men book. By a whole bunch of people. Yes. Right? All Jason Aaron, Brian Michael Bendis, Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction, all Jonathan Hickman, like all of the yeah. heavy hitters of Mar- yeah. Marvel currently. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, I, I that's it. Thanks for listening. We'll, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Buy our t-shirts. Keep reading comics. For more episodes of the Pullbox Podcast, visit us at pullboxpodcast.com or on iTunes. You can find me on various social media websites. Just search for Curtis Findlay. That's Curtis with a K. You can follow me on Twitter at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F, and, you know, on Tumblr and Instagram and all those other social medias as well. Uh, go to patreon.com slash thunderquack to support us where you can kick in as little as a dollar and get a bunch of great rewards the exclusive thunderquack podcast as well as access to the facebook group and by getting access to the facebook group you get that direct line to us to send us suggestions for what we should read on the podcast if you like this podcast you can check out other great podcasts on the thunderquack network by heading to thunderquack.com 